You're listening to Blossoming Technologist, a podcast for young professionals in tech, discovering skills, careers, and tips for being in the tech industry. I'm your host, Marissa, and today we're joined by Lakidra Smith, the founder and CEO of the Cyber Consultant LLC and author of Cyber Curiosity, a beginner's guide to cybersecurity. The Cyber Consultant LLC helps businesses create safe, fun digital spaces while providing quality digital skills and education for internet users around the globe. Her book, Cyber Curiosity, is a guide to protecting yourself from cyber crimes. Today, we're going to discuss cybersecurity and cyber crimes, from how prevalent cyber attacks are to how to protect yourself and your family. Lakidra, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Yay, I'm so excited to have you here. We talked a bunch before we started recording, but I read Lakita's yeah. book recently and it is so awesome. I cannot wait to dig into it and dig into some of the lessons and the stories that you had from your book. But before we Thank do you. that, the first question I always ask is what first got you interested in the tech industry? Well, I've always been interested in tech since like a very, very young age. I remember when I was three and my sister was teaching me how to use the computer and like how to use the mouse and stuff. And I was just so excited about like what this computer could do and how it worked and all those things. But I never really thought that it would be my career until it was kind of time to go to college and pick a career. And I was like, well, I like this. So we'll go with that. (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, same. I feel like I have this picture of when I was like one year old, not that I was actually like programming or anything, but of me like on a computer (laughs) with my hands on it. And I definitely like, I played a bunch of games as a kid and like liked computers. But when it came to college, I was like, what do I want to do? I guess computers. So yeah, yeah, that's how people end up here. It, it was the, it was a safe choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what then made you decide to minor in cyber criminology? So I went through a lot of different majors and stuff, <laughs> getting to where I got. And after I was I was about to change my major again. I was changing it to S management information systems. And I was in the counselor's office and I was looking through this like little booklet they had on all the minors. And I was like, oh, this one seems interesting. Cyber chronology. That seems interesting. I like Googled it for a second. I was like, oh, like it has different things about cyber attacks and stuff. I was like, that sounds like something I would like to do. We'll choose, check that off as the minor. And that's basically how it happened. And I like learned so much along the way that I was like, oh, I did not know this was... (laughs) this was included. But yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like kind of destiny. Like you, you mm-hmm. didn't realize yeah. it's like, oh yeah, let me do that. And then didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and now you're literally an but author. You know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's wild. Oh my gosh. Okay. So can you actually, before, before we jump more into cybersecurity, what exactly does cyber mm-hmm. criminology actually entail? Like what, what do you learn in that minor? Yeah, it has a lot of, it's cybersecurity, but it's also privacy and it's also ethics and it's also psychology and like, how do these cyber criminals think? How can we prevent them from wanting to do more crime? So it's got a criminal justice aspect in there a little bit. It's a lot of different things, which is what I think kept me so interested because I like a lot of different things. Yeah. And so, yeah. Very cool. I feel like I wanted to ask you that in case people who are in college maybe have that option of cyber mm-hmm. criminology and are like, ooh, actually, that sounds really right. cool. Like, Keisha told me about mm-hmm. it. Let me go do that. 
<laughs> okay, so before we jump into a lot of the topics in your book, I wanted to first like get the basics out there because we've covered security once yeah. on this podcast, but kind of want to dig into mm-hmm. it more. So to start us off, what does cybersecurity mean? A very vague, <laughs> blanketed question. <laughs> very broad. <laughs> very, very broad, especially for something like cybersecurity has like engulfed so many things at this point, like there's privacy and then there's all the different parts of it. But in the most basic way to put it is protecting yourself. And it's the measures that you take to protect yourself online. And that's the most basic way to put it. Okay. So can you give an example of like what a measure to protect yourself online would be? So it it depends because... I say a measure to protect yourself online would definitely be a password. Like that's a very basic measure, like your password, having a strong password, those types of things. There's like this acronym in cybersecurity that's very basic to CIA, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And those are the things that you want to maintain to make sure that no one else gets into your conversations. And then also that, no one else can access things that you don't want them to access. And basically that everything goes as you planned it (laughs) at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So talking about CIA, confidentiality, integrity, availability, is that it? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was like, I know you just said it, but (laughs) I want to make sure I got that right. It it took me a while. (laughs) Right. We actually talked a little bit before this call about how like I'm a software developer and I have like I've gotten some training on security because you have to in order to have mm-hmm. compliance with your company. But in general, it's not covered really. It's not widely known. When I was reading your yeah. book, I uh, I told you this, but I was like, oh my gosh, I added two factor off to like multiple accounts because I got scared, you know. So even for people in the tech industry, I guess especially for people in tech, because that's our audience. Why is cybersecurity really important to be aware of and to implement? Yeah. And you brought up compliance. I always say like compliance is bare minimum. The the laws are very bare minimum, especially in the U.S. It's not very robust and doesn't cover a lot of things. So when companies or individuals are looking at compliance, they're like, oh, well, we've checked all the boxes, but were they really hard hurdles to jump? <laughs> in the first place, like that they really protect everyone. And I also think a thing that tech professionals can easily fall victim to, because I have myself, is thinking that you're above it. Like, I know all these things about tech, or I know all these things about cybersecurity. I've taken these classes, yada, yada. And so nothing can happen to me because I know what to do. And I think that's a really dangerous mentality because then once something does happen, you're shocked and confused and you're not prepared. Yeah. Can you share maybe a personal example from when that's happened? Like you have, you know, done something that resulted in a cyber attack against you or information, whatever that you can share to show, like even a cybersecurity expert falls victim to some stuff. Yeah. I wrote about it in the book that I found out from a text message from my bank. And I was like, it was like, $300 $300 gone, $50 gone, like back to back to back. And it was like, you're in the negative now. <laughs> like it's, it's 
so bad. Now you're in the negative. And I was in college. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> What's happening? I was at my tech support job. No, one. I was at tech support job. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm being <laughs> real time. I'm like, what do I do? And like, I call like my family. I'm like, what do I, what am I supposed to do? Like, I didn't know what to do. And they were like, well, go to the bank. They were so calm. Like, go to the bank. It'll be fine. And I was like telling my coworkers, like, I've got to go. I've got to go. I'll be back. I'll figure this out. I like was able to look at the transactions and figure out they were in Louisiana. I was not there. <laughs> so at least I had something to show to the bank. They, I was like, they're going to think it was just me. And like, I was just withdrawing money that I didn't have. I was like, no, it wasn't me. And thankfully they believed me, but I didn't get the money back for like three, four weeks. If I had been like supporting myself fully, that would have been devastating. And it's it's crazy because a lot of people will be in that situation. If if they had that same situation mm-hmm. happen, maybe they don't have money to make them last that long and money that's just taken exactly. out. Exactly. And so you really need to be aware of cybersecurity and how that can impact you. And I, right. and personally, I see this a lot with like older folks too. I know it's like with everyone, but a lot yeah. of like, even like my parents, I know they listen to this, so sorry, dad. But even my parents, <laughs> like they get emails sometimes and they'll forward them to be like, is this spam? Like, is this, should I yeah. click on this? I'm like, don't click on anything, please. Like, no, and, <laughs> and please don't forward it to others. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. We need to tune up yeah. that security practice, but right. yeah, it's stuff like mm-hmm. that where it could happen to literally anyone, even people in tech were not invincible. Right. You never know. And you had a lot of really great tips in your book about how to like avoid stuff like that, which maybe we can mm-hmm. get into later, but man, yeah. it is like so prevalent. So Talking more about cyber attacks, I feel like I wasn't super aware of how often these happen. And then in your book, I was like, oh my goodness gracious. So how prevalent are cyber attacks? And like, why are they such a big problem today? They're super prevalent. And honestly, like the stats are kind of crazy, but then also you got to think about not everybody reports it. So the best stats you have are going to be from the FBI's Internet Crimes Complaint Center, the IC3. And they said over the last five years, I re-looked at the stats and they received 2.76 million complaints, resulting in over 18 billion in total losses. So that's like the crazy amount that they have just received those complaints, yeah. but you have to also think about how many people don't come. They don't go to them because they either don't know how to, they don't think it's serious enough, or they're embarrassed that it happened to them and they don't want to tell anyone. So it's really skewed in that way. And as you said about why is it such a big problem, from my research, it seems like cybercrime is a becoming an even bigger problem because it's just easier. It's less personal and it's less dangerous than a traditional crime. If I go in and I rob a bank, I'm risking my life. I've got to be able to run really fast. <laughs> There's a lot of different factors that go into me not getting caught and coming out alive with the money. So with cyber crimes, it's much less likely that you're going to get caught because Police are not looking at it the way that they do traditional crimes. They don't have the resources. They don't have the understanding. So there's this big like gap right now where 
traditional crimes are the focus, even though cyber crimes are increasing at such a high rate. Yeah. You mentioned that like police don't really have the resources to kind of fix or solve those different cyber crimes happening. What do you think would help? Like, how can we change whether it's the government or regular society, whatever, like what would actually help Mm -hmm. solve that? I think it would take a lot of education for those police officers to understand that, hey, this person, not only the police officers, but also society, because you need to know to report it in the first place. A lot of people don't report. And so if you don't report, you can't get help. But a lot of people don't report because they think they can't get help. So it's kind of like this. It feeds into each other. So we need to educate the police officers on what cyber crimes are, why they're important and why they're basically just traditional crimes in another venue, in the venue of cyberspace, because you can take money out of the person's bank account, just like if you were robbing the bank. It's the same thing, but it's just a different place. Yeah. And I think it's really important how you called out that like even regular regular people in society need that education too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel lucky enough yeah. to work at a company that makes me do that compliance, makes me do some sort of training for security. <laughs> and if I didn't have that, it's yeah. like, I never learned that in college. I never learned that in anything else. And that should almost be like a tenant of adulting or even before then, like kids. Honestly, (laughs) I actually, I know you cover that in your book too. Could you talk a little bit about how parents should educate their children about cybersecurity? Yeah, for sure. I do have like a whole section in my book that is dedicated to vulnerable populations, as I call them, (laughs) the kids and the elders, because they are at their most vulnerable. The elderly don't know much about technology in general. So they're trying to navigate it. And kids just don't know anything about the world in general. So they will leave most of the things that come towards them. So I think the most important thing that parents can do is know what their children are doing online. It's less likely that your child is going to fall victim to a predator if you have an open line of communication with them. And they know if something seems sketchy, I can go tell my parents and they won't judge me for having started this conversation or whatever happened. They'll just help me get out of it. Because I feel like that's so important because so many kids get roped into these predatory situations online and they don't know how to get out of them. And that's when it becomes really scary. Yeah. And I think It's interesting thinking about how like as a kid, you're told, don't talk to strangers. But for some reason on the internet, Mm -hmm. it seems better. It's okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, oh, it's okay. Like Mm -hmm. I even did that as a kid. Like I talked to strangers on the internet. (laughs) Never thought anything Mm -hmm. of it. Luckily, nothing ever became bad. Like it was fine. But that's going to happen more and more today because more people are on the internet. And I'm also thinking because we have a more like young professional audience for anyone who has maybe siblings who are younger and maybe parents who don't fully understand the technology, that's your opportunity to bridge that gap between those populations and explain to your sibling like, hey, like this is what's happening or this is why you should be very wary of the people you meet online. My number one thing to tell children is don't share any of your personal information and don't send any pictures. Please, I beg of you, no pictures. Yes. <laughs> you don't even want to know where the pictures will end up. <laughs> no. And actually, you mentioned that. And I'm thinking back to, I think this was in your book where you said how like anything you put online, 
it is there forever, whether you delete it or not. And that really hit home for me Mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, like we always feel (laughs) like we delete something and it's gone, but that's just not true. Uh, I'm wondering, do you have any more like info on like, how does that work? How, how are things not getting deleted? Well, like the, the metadata and stuff is always going to be there. (laughs) So you can delete it all you want. You can take it off your cloud. You can take it off, but it's never gone. I'm not like an expert in digital forensics, but I know that they do a lot of work. Yeah. And they can bring basically anything back. It doesn't matter what you did to it. That's crazy. (laughs) And I know it's crazy. It's in like, it's insanity. And you think about today where we have like, like Google Photos, for example, like pictures I take automatically go to Google Photos and that's automatically stored in Google's cloud. And so that data, even Mm -hmm. when I delete it from my phone or from Google Photos, like it still exists in some capacity somewhere. And so like, yeah, Google has somewhere, (laughs) somewhere, (laughs) somewhere. Okay. So for people listening who want to get better at cybersecurity, protect themselves against cyber attacks, what are some of those first steps people can take to be more secure? Yeah, I would definitely, like you were saying, like you went in and you did the two-factor authentication, like that's what I would definitely recommend first. It's super simple, but it's something a lot of people forget to do. And do that on all your most important accounts first. And then I would say, if you have the time, go through and like carve out some time every like few weeks. Let me go through 10 passwords that are not safe and redo those. I recommend using a password manager for that so that you can have all of your passwords and they can autofill somewhere because I know it's very difficult to remember all of your passwords and people are always like, well, you're telling me not to write them down, but how am I supposed to remember them? You don't have to remember them yourself. You can put them in a password manager and that'll be perfect. Also just kind of educating yourself on what threats are out there. So like when you see a threat, you know it. Because if you don't know it, you can't do anything about it and you won't know how to protect yourself. Also watching your bank account, make sure that nothing that's suspicious is coming out. And if it is, make sure you tell your bank immediately because usually it does start with small transactions and then they're like testing it to make sure the car still works. So then they're going to put bigger transactions after that. Also, you can lock your credit so that people can't use your social security number to apply for new credit. I think those are like the biggest places that I'd have people start. Wait, wait, what does locking your credit mean? I've never heard of that. (laughs) (laughs) So you can like lock your credit. I don't know all the like back end stuff, but you can like go to like Equifax or wherever the credit bureaus are and then you can lock it so that when you're ready to apply for credit, you can go back and unlock it. But if someone else is trying to, they can't do it. I've literally, I've never, I'm baffled. <laughs> like, I, I don't have words. Yeah, it's not, it's not super calm. Like, I don't think a lot of people know about it, but wow, it, it would definitely. Okay. Be so that's like when you're applying for mm-hmm. a loan or get a new job yeah. or whatever, then you unlock it, mm-hmm. allow it. And then when it's done, you lock yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to dig into that first because I was like, oh my God, I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. And then I want to talk about two-factor for a second. So I've t- told people yeah. to do two-factor authentication. And also I am not the biggest proponent of it either because it's annoying, you know? Like you have to, you go it's to annoying. sign in, you type in a password, and then you have to go to your phone, you have to type in a code, et cetera. 
like, what is that pro and con? Like, how do you balance dealing with two factor, but also the security of it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I completely get it. I I know it's annoying. It's very annoying. (laughs) And hopefully people like you will make it less annoying one day, developers. But the pros, especially when you're looking at accounts where you have a lot of stuff, like, like you were saying before we started, I think your Google account, that's a place where I would definitely recommend that because you'd be very upset if you lost your Google account. And there's a lot of information about you on there that people could find and use against you. So I'd probably start with things like that and your bank account, of course. Just the places where you have the most personal information stored, start there. Yeah. And then you can implement it in other places later. Yeah. Because so I think that's really key. Like with your main email, if you use that to log into everything, if someone gets access to that, then mm-hmm. they can they have everything. Yeah. They can hit forgot password on like any site and get into any account. So that's why I was reading your book and I was like, oh my God, I need two factor authentication. I put the book down <laughs> and I went into yeah. Google and I enabled it. Um, so you scared me enough to do that. I hope listeners hear this and start to do that. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I will. I'm going to put in the show notes, maybe maybe for Google. I don't know about other emails. I don't know a lot of people use Google. I'm going to put in the website mm-hmm. to, uh, to do two-factor authentication yeah. for anyone who's listening and wants to do that. The second thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned password managers. This is something that I have been trying to get many people to do password managers. And on our last security episode, we talked in depth about them too. But the thing is, it's also annoying. You have to go through all your passwords. I love Mm -hmm. password managers. I would love to hear your take. What do you love about password managers? Why, Why is it not so bad maybe implementing it? I think that it it simplifies it for so many people because I know as I was talking to people for this book, so many people write their passwords down and that's just terrible. Like, please don't do that. Especially if you're in a workplace and like you have them sticky noted everywhere, like, please stop. But I think that the best way to probably use a password manager is each time you get ready to log into a new account, just let it take that password in. And then if it says, oh, this is not safe enough, let it reset it. Like, do it slowly. I feel like people think that it's either all or nothing. It's a very like, either I do everything right or I do nothing right. When if you do some things right, you'll decrease your risk of something bad happening. Yeah. I also think I love that I only have to remember one password. Like I know the password, my password manager. I do know the passwords to my laptops, et cetera. But like, I don't have to know any other password. And so it's so much less mental burden where when you log into a site, like if I log in and it's not my password manager, I'm like, reset that password. Like, I don't know that password. Um, (laughs) If my password manager doesn't know it, I don't know it. And it's so easy. And then also you can just like autofill it where it's not like I have to type out the whatever, 25 character password. I can just autofill it from the app from the browser, plug in, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it makes it so much easier. So please, people, get password managers. My best friend, I was yeah. telling her, I was like, please get a password manager. I know she's going to listen to this. <laughs> please get a password manager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the long run, it'll save you so much time. Yeah. 
so much time. And I know some of them have a cost to them. Do you actually have a recommendation for a good password manager? I personally use LastPass. I say everybody can do their own research on what they feel like is best for them. But that's the one that I would recommend. Cool. Yeah. I love LastPass. I had to switch over to 1Password for my mm-hmm. job, but also really loved LastPass and and 1Password. Right. Oh, so good. So important. Is there anything else you think I should ask you or you'd like to talk about? I know you had on here about what was the most appalling story. I did. I skipped that. From the book. Gosh. Okay. We will put that in. <laughs> I I think I got so excited about asking. And if there's any any ones that you want to mention, go yeah. ahead and throw those in. Okay, cool. So another question for you. What was one of the most appalling stories about cyber crimes that you found while researching your book? There's several of them, but probably the most appalling was the one about medical ID theft, which I was just blown away about because I had no idea about it until I just stumbled upon it when researching. So this guy, he was a pilot and he went to his mailbox one day, thought he was just getting a regular old bill. It was a medical bill for $44,000 for a surgery that he never had. And so now he's like, what's going on? (laughs) And he had this whole investigation done because I guess he had the money to do that. And they found out it was a convicted felon had used his social security number to go and check into the hospital and get his surgery done and all of that using all of his information and he was left with the bill. And also his medical records were permanently messed up and no longer had just his information at the information of this guy that had had this extensive surgery. So it, yeah, the, the damage was done. So how did the person get his medical ID? Like what maybe could he have done better to protect that? I honestly don't know what he could have done better necessarily because in in the information that I had about the story, they didn't say like where they thought the guy got his social security number from. My best guess would be somewhere on the dark web because there are websites dedicated to social security numbers and credit card numbers and all people's personal information when they get stolen from another way, they go sell it on the dark web for like two, three dollars. And so, yeah. Oh, my God. Especially since the guy was already like a convicted criminal. He probably knew about that type of thing. It's just crazy. I mean, also, you covered a lot of like how the dark web works and like kind of like what it is in your (laughs) book. And maybe I'm Mm -hmm. just too naive. I never really thought about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, like the world, butterflies, rainbows, Mm -hmm. unicorns. But you're like, oh, yeah, like there's like tons of people in the dark web just selling stuff here and there. and like. Like people need to read your yeah, book. They're selling things you'd never want to hear about. <laughs> I remember sitting in a cybercriminology class, which is when I first learned like about the dark web. And our teacher was like, yeah, I'm really not supposed to show you this, but I'll show you because like we're doing this research on the dark web. And she pops up on the screen and it's like credit card numbers as far as I can see <laughs> and people's names and their addresses and everything that you would need to use said credit card. And I was just like, wow. She was like, yeah, they're selling them for about two bucks. I'm baffled. (laughs) It was eye opening. (laughs) Like it was very eye opening. Like, oh my goodness. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I. And it's also like a place where a lot of predators come to meet up and do things that you don't want to hear about. Yeah. And it's incredibly yeah. hard to track too. Like people, like the police, yeah. they cannot really track people because you can hide your IP. Mm-hmm. You can maybe use a VPN, like whatever it is. People are very good yeah. at hiding. And so you almost need mm-hmm. to do the best you can to protect the information that you have to avoid that because it can happen right. to anyone, which is, ah. It could happen to anyone. <sighs> and like, yeah, there's ton, there's researchers working on like just specifically a dark web, like my professor was, but still there's so much that they're just like, it would not be worth the resources that it takes to find this person. Like it just wouldn't be worth it. And that's the kind of crappy part. Yeah. The one story in your book that really resonated with me or like I really remember the most is a story about I think an older couple who their bike got stolen. They the guy mm-hmm. was like, All right, I'm gonna buy a video camera. He sets up cameras throughout his house to make sure no one else else tries to steal anything. And then later learned that people from all over the world were watching their video cameras because I think they never changed the password on the account or something like that. They kept the default password. They kept the default password on the devices. If you have a router, if you have anything that you bring into your home, those little echo dots, whatever you have, change the password. Like the default password is all over the web. Yeah. You can find them fairly easily. Yeah. So... Yeah, this couple had people just watching thousands of hours of them in their house. Like, who knows what they're doing? Yeah. It could just be like... Just chill. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. And that could happen to anyone. And that's what, like the that's the that's the lesson of this episode. It could happen. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> it could happen to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah, I... I feel like we covered so much. This is a really good lesson on cybersecurity, cyber attacks. If anyone wants to learn more, I highly recommend checking out Lakidra's book, Cyber Curiosity. And before we go, I have one final question for you, which I Mm -hmm. ask to every guest, which is what is one skill that you're currently working on? Well, I'm currently studying to take my ICPM exam, Certified Information Privacy Manager, because I'm also really into information privacy, cyber privacy. That's actually what this book was supposed to be about. And then I was like, that's a bit advanced for people to throw them into it. They need something prerequisite. So I was like, cybersecurity encompasses a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that's something I'm working on right now. Really excited about. That's so cool. That can be your second book. (laughs) Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I love hearing that. Love having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Such a fan of your book. Highly recommend again to anyone who wants to learn more about cybersecurity (laughs) or cyber crimes. Any resources that we mentioned today will be in the show notes and also ways to connect with Lakidra, check out her company, check out her book. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time where we'll continue blossoming together.